Welcome to the Christianity 101 podcast, where we examine big ideas in Christianity from the perspective of those who aren't quite sure what they believe. Really excited that you decided to join us today. We are talking about a big issue for Christians. Before we hop into our talk today, I'd like to pause for just a second and tell you about the purpose of this podcast. This podcast is an accompanying series with our Sunday morning Bible classes that are going on throughout the fall. And for the historical record, that's fall of 2019. So it is September the 4th, and I am recording here in College Station, Texas. And we are going to be asking a very important question, uh, really each week, but but this question really kind of sets the tone for all of the subsequent questions to follow. And that question is, why the Bible? Um, The title of this podcast series is Christianity 101. So we're looking at the foundational truths of Christianity and, and trying to examine them particularly so that we can have conversations with people who don't necessarily believe the way that we do. We think it's a good thing for us to study, and so we're excited to get that started. And I can think of nothing more appropriate to begin a Christianity 101 podcast than examining the authority of Scripture, examining why we Christians believe the Bible, because pretty much everything about Christianity is found in the Bible. If you think about it, uh, we Christians claim a lot of things about the nature of God and the nature of Jesus and the nature of reality, and really, whenever you boil it down, you can ask the question of where did we get that? And the answer is scripture. And so if we cannot provide a reasonable account for why we believe in scripture, well, that presents a pretty large problem for our entire system of thought. And again, this is Christianity 101, so we're not going to get into all of the nitty gritties. This podcast could be uh, hours and hours long. We're going to try to, again, we're just priming the pump. So this is not the final word on the authority of scripture. This is not an extensive biblical account. It's just a few thoughts, a few propositional thoughts that to get our minds working on this. Um, and I hope that you listen to this before Sunday the 8th and are able to have some thoughts develop when you come into class and we discuss. Well, so with that little introduction, I just, again, thank you for listening and, and I hope you enjoy this and, and keep thinking, keep asking questions. Imagine with me for just a moment a hypothetical conversation between you and a friend of yours who you know well enough to have conversations about deeper topics, but you don't necessarily share the same worldview. In this particular situation, you're talking to one of your non-Christian friends about your sexual ethic, the biblical sexual ethic, what God has to say about what sex is between a man and a woman. Let's say that they cannot grasp why you believe that sex outside of the confines of marriage is wrong. They say something to the extent of, well, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink. Urges in my body are no different. It's a product of biology and keeps me alive. It keeps the species alive. It's just an appetite. You pause, think about it for a second, and then respond and say, well, sex is different. It's more than just a desire or an appetite. It's something beautiful and worth taking seriously. 
Casual sex demeans the beauty of the connection and intimacy that exists in the sex life of men and women who have committed their whole lives to each other. Your friend nods politely and asks, well, how do you know that? You respond with confidence, well, the Bible taught me so. To which your friend replies, well, how do you know the Bible is true? The answer to that last question is the subject of today's lesson. It's an incredibly important question for those of us who believe that Jesus is the risen Messiah, and for those of us who do not. It's also a question that many of us struggle to answer without committing a tremendous logical sin. When faced with the question, how do you know that the Bible is true? It's most of our first instinct to direct the questioner to a passage of scripture like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed which is in short to answer the question, why do you believe the Bible is true, with the response, because the Bible tells me so. In no way is that a bad instinct, especially if you're a Christian and you take seriously the claims of the Bible. Unfortunately, it is a very bad argument. Using scripture to prove scripture is circular reasoning, and circular reasoning is flawed argumentation. Flawed argumentation or bad argumentation doesn't necessarily disprove scripture, but it can be quite unhelpful when talking to curious people who are unconvinced by the claims that we Christians make. The truth is, we cannot be absolutely certain that the Bible is divinely inspired. There is no logical proof, scientific discovery, or historical evidence that definitively proves our claims. We can and should cheerfully and unapologetically admit that we believe that the Bible is divinely inspired, and we take that belief on faith. This admission in no way makes us narrow or small-minded or naive. Actually, what it makes us is honest. The truth is that much of human knowledge is based on underived assertions, or in other words, things that are taken on faith. Practical things like the existence of gravity, the consistency of the laws of nature, commonly experienced things like consciousness, and head-trippy things like the trusting that our senses are actually reliably relating the information that we see and hear and touch in the world, that it's, it's reliably related to our brains. Um, we just kind of assume as a species that all of that is, is true. Um, we take that totally on faith. Uh, and, and really, no matter what your worldview is or what your perspective is, if you're a Christian, an atheist, a Buddhist, a secular humanist, a Muslim, a Jew... Uh, we don't really argue about those things too much. We all just kind of take that sort of thing on faith. The debate between those of us who believe in the Bible and our skeptical friends and neighbors is not a choice between faith and reason, but a search for a faith that is reasonable. Christianity asks one to believe that God chose to communicate to his creation through the Bible. Other systems of thought ask for the same degree of faith, only on different objects. Secular humanists ask people to believe that humans have value, despite being an accident of nature. New Age spiritualists have faith, faith in the existence of a spiritual realm that's accessible through rituals and meditation and uh, things like yoga and cards and Ouija boards, all of those things are, are various New Age spiritual things. Uh, even our own Declaration of Independence is based upon the underived assertion that all men are created equal. A statement which we Christians totally believe but we recognize it is totally unprovable through empirical science. Um, and frankly, empirical science points to the contrary. People aren't necessarily equal. All men are created equal. There are tall people, short people, fast people, slow people, smart people, less smart people, uh, people who can talk well, and people like me. If we don't have any absolute proof, what do we go then? 
Well, the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of other good questions that we can ask to try and figure out if belief that the Bible is the self-revealed word of God is reasonable or not. Uh, while gravity is not provable, we can certainly demonstrate its effect on our world. There's evidence to it. If I drop my checkbook off of the desk that I'm working on, you can hear that it fell to the ground. There's a demonstrable effect of the phenomenon that we describe as gravity. Similarly, we can ask that sort of question about the Bible. Is there any evidence in the physical world that reflects what the Bible describes? The second question that we ask is, do the truth claims of the Bible provide a reasonable account for the complex phenomenon that we witness in life? A good example to think about this we mentioned earlier is the example of consciousness. All of us experience the phenomenon that people describe as consciousness. The fact that you're thinking right now, your ability to think and process information uh, is a phenomenon that scientists don't have any proof of. There is not a sector in the brain. If you put someone in a, in a brain scan, uh, you're not going to be able to see, well, this portion of the brain is where all of that thought and processing happens. We know that it's a very complex process, and there's a lot of research being going into mapping the various stages of the process and trying to understand the information, but we're a long way off from being able to replicate or understand exactly how it works. But just because we don't have proof of something doesn't mean it's unreasonable to believe that it exists. If we take this line of thought and look at scripture, we ask ourselves, does the Bible provide a reasonable account for the complex phenomenon that we all experience here in life? And we believe that is absolutely the case, that the Bible is a credible witness, that it explains uh, the wide and various experiences that lots of different people have had throughout life. So let's take these one at a time. We'll first start with kind of some of the evidence things. Regarding the evidence, I, I suggest a few considerations. First is the uniqueness of the Bible's composition. The Protestant Bible is a diverse collection of writings from over 40 different authors written across the span of about 1,500 years. And it was written from three separate continents. So Africa, Asia, and Europe. Parts of the Bible were written in all three of those con continents. And despite this considerable amount of diversity of time, territory, and authorship, the Bible presents a unified story and a consistent presentation of, of the nature of God and the nature of reality. It is often said that a camel is a horse drawn by committee. Anyone who has suffered through team projects at work or group project at school can resonate with this maxim. But what is accomplished by the biblical authors is no misdrawn horse, but the greatest literary masterpiece the world has ever known. Such is its impact that one can hardly write or speak in the English language without making some reference to scripture. Just think about it for a moment. How many times are you accidentally quoting scripture in just everyday speech. Things like the golden rule or things like, uh, oh, he was being a good Samaritan. The Bible has impacted so many layers of the English language. Uh, it really is the standard. You can't read Shakespeare. You can't read Jane Austen or Mark Twain or Walt Whitman or any of the great authors of the English language without having some understanding of the Bible. The Bible has totally impacted the English language, and it wasn't even written in English. It was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. It's just incredible the amount of impact and the beauty and the literary composition that Scripture is. And it was written by 40 different people from different times, different places, and different cultures. 
But the uniqueness of the Bible's composition is not the only evidence of its veracity. We can also look to archaeology to see if the world that the Bible presents is consistent with the archaeological record. We have to be careful, however. Archaeology is a soft science. There are very gifted people who do their absolute best to examine the clues left by ages past and try to reconstruct the historical record. But it's not something that Christians or non-Christians can appeal to definitely to uh, prove or disprove their respective worldview. It's because archaeology itself is shaped by a worldview. Since the physical evidence of past events is sparse, two archaeologists can often look at the same set of data and arrive at opposite conclusions depending upon what their presuppositions were going into the study. I say this not to try and cast doubt on archaeology as a field or anything like that. I don't want to be that way. I say it just to have some academic humility going into it. We can't, it's not a, a deal breaker. Christians or non-Christians shouldn't look at the archaeological record and say, well, this is the final word on the subject of the Bible is true because we found this thing in the dirt, or the Bible is not true because this couldn't possibly be what the Bible says, and the Bible says this, blah, 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 blah. There are a numerous amount of factors that go into these things. It is incredibly complicated, and the research, frankly, it changes year after year depending on um, who's getting funding and grant money and, and things like that. Uh, but regardless, Christian archaeologists and non-Christian archaeologists agree that the Bible accurately portrays the regions it describes. There's obviously disagreements on um, various battle sites and were there exactly 600,000 Israelites who traveled? Did we find a bunch of uh, leftover trash from the massive group of Israelites that exited out of Egypt? There's tons of disagreement on there. There's no historical consensus on the various battles that happened in Joshua or anything like that. Uh, but again, that's kind of what we would expect. There, there's some evidence that certain battles or miracles did happen, and there's some evidence that they didn't happen. We, we frankly just can't know and can't prove um, exactly right. But what we can prove is, is that the people who wrote the Bible lived in the area and understood the area. They present a picture of the geographic area correctly. If you look at the Iliad, um, which is one of Homer's works, there's a lot of people who have tried to reconstruct, okay, what, what's the island, what's the geography and the maps that are going on here? And you can't really do it because there are certain mythical islands that are described and, and things that, that don't exist. But when it comes to the scripture, we know at least we can't prove that, okay, these men were divinely inspired as they wrote scripture. We can prove that they did live in the areas they say they did because they described the, the locations of events uh, correctly. And so that is a good um, source of credibility to say that the text that we're dealing with is historical. The people were there. The people were not writing about ancient myths and legends. They were writing about the real earth and the real place. And this isn't, again, a final proof, but it it does, it provides helpful evidence for us as we are thinking through it. Now we turn to our second question. Is the Bible compelling? We believe absolutely yes. The Bible's account of the world is incredibly compelling. Again, there are complex phenomena that we experience as humans, and we believe that the Bible explains those so very well. Through narrative, poetry, and wisdom literature, the Bible presents a complex and nuanced accounts of the existential problems faced by every single person. The Bible presents a view of human psychology and behavior that is millions—that is millennia ahead of its time. It provides an account for why people desire to do good, yet they're not able to live up to their own standard. 
It addresses why there are so many similarities between moral systems of the world. It speaks to why people long for spiritual experiences, yet resist an authoritative God. Moreover, it has been through the crucible of doubt, questioning, and cross-examination for over two millennia, yet remains the source of a movement that is growing faster in adherences than in any other period of its history. So what do we make of all of this? Well, if you're a Christian, I hope that you think through this question, why do you believe that the Bible is credible? And think through it well, because our salvation, what we know of Jesus, what we know of God, what we know of the of the Holy Spirit and all of the various things about Christianity, we know through Scripture. We would know very little about who Jesus was uh, if we didn't have the pages of Scripture. Our source of authority for understanding the nature of Christianity is the Bible. And so it's a super important question, and we should think through it. It's worth spending plenty of time and effort and asking uncomfortable questions, because we believe in Christianity because it's true. And if it's not true, we shouldn't believe it. Anyways, I hope this brief talk has been helpful. We're going to be talking about why the Bible this Sunday morning, September the 8th. And I hope you come ready to, to ask good questions and to listen well to what your other classmates have to say. Really hope it's primed your interest in the subject. And maybe you'll do some more reading on it and, and see where that leads you. This has been our first Christianity 101 podcast, and there's more to come. I hope you'll give me a little bit of patience as I figure out podcasting, how to produce, and everything like that. Regardless, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.